Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. The holiday season is here, and so are the scammers. We have some tips so you can stay safe and not get scammed. We'll also be hearing about the recent Older Driver Safety Awareness Week that highlighted unique challenges faced by older drivers. Starting us off today on Special Edition, holiday time can be stressful, even for kids. Rachel Wagner is the Early Childhood Mental Health Specialist and National Trainer at the Devereaux Center for Resilient Children. She introduces us to Flip It and how it works for children and adults. Rachel, welcome. Nice to have you here. We're talking holidays and kids, kids, holidays. It's supposed to be happy time with all kinds of wonderful things. And we remember back when we were kids, but now things are a little different, right? Things may be a little different. There may be more pressure to um, have it look a certain way for maybe social media purposes, and there may be more commercials that have kids wanting things, and there may be more overscheduling. But I also think it's interesting to sort of think back on our own memories. And we tend to remember just the good stuff, but there was also probably some holiday stress in our own childhood memory bank somewhere. We, we just tend to to filter that through and remember the high points and we hope our kids do too. How can we help them do that? Because again, I think a lot of times the adults are the ones and we get stressed and somehow you just can't help from that filtering out into the kids. And I think that there's a lot of ways we can help them, but one of the most important things to anchor to is keeping ourselves okay (laughs) because kids feed on that. They sense that from us and they can tell when we're dysregulated. And so it's really important for us to do our own check-in. So, you know, some of the strategies that we're going to talk about today are great for kids, but they're also good for ourselves because we all need to be more present, more regulated, more aware of our feelings. And so the first sort of thing for us to, to remember is keeping ourselves regulated. Because when little ones are overwhelmed by big feelings, it's our job to share our calm with them, not our chaos with them. And so that's the first step. And and we can get into sort of the strategy for how to do that for kids. And and you'll see that it works for ourselves, too. Well, Rachel, I'm all ears. You just tell me, where do we start? 
I'm excited to get started. And so I think the strategy I want to talk about today is a really simple acronym that was created over 20 years ago, working with young children who have experienced a lot, who'd experienced trauma, who'd experienced really big hardships. And so if it works for those kiddos, it will work for some of the holiday feelings that we're sort of coping with. And that strategy is called Flip It. What and is it? What it it's called Flip It. Flip It. And it's an acronym. We all have a hard time sort of remembering in hard moments what to say and what to do. I think we've all had moments where we're tongue-tied, where we're sort of overwhelmed by our own feelings, by the feelings of the kiddos we're interacting with, and it's really sort of hard to get anchored. So this, this acronym was created to help us remember what to do in these sort of moments. And basically, the acronym took all the great research that's out there and put it into these sort of four steps that we could do. And so I'll tell you, the acronym stands for F, Feelings, L, Limits, I, Inquiries, and P, Prompts. And so obviously, what we want to do in any hard moment is start with F, do L, do I, do P, and flip it. I'm ready. So let's start. So the first step in the process is feeling. And it's really important to remember that when kids are having a hard time or they're showing us a challenging behavior, they're having a feeling. And while it may be easier to react to the behavior, we have to go deeper. I like to tell people to think of it like a tree. We can react to the leaves and trim those leaves. But if the tree still has roots, the leaves are going to grow back. So we have to get to the root. We have to sort of talk about the feeling. And so what it sounds like when we do a feeling step with kids is we say something. And, and if you're listening at home and, and you want to make a little cheat sheet, I often recommend grab four post-its, one for each step. And in the, on the first post-it, write down, I see you are doing blank. I wonder if you are feeling blank. And that's sort of the first thing. I see you're, you're you know, getting really agitated about bedtime. I wonder if you're feeling excited about tomorrow. You know, so I see that you are poking at your brother. I wonder if you're feeling bored. If we just sort of follow that little script, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be sort of saying to kids, I see you, which is really important to do, especially during the holiday season when we're hustling and bustling. We say, I see you doing blank. I wonder if you're feeling something because The behavior is just a communication for the feeling, right? Underneath every behavior, there's a feeling. And if we don't get to the root, we're never going to fix it. How can they explain that, Rachel? Because sometimes they're, they're, especially the younger kids. What we know is that basically in our culture, we're pretty good at avoiding feelings. And so this will be new. And so there's sort of two parts to your question. One is, how do we do this with really little ones? And I think we can do flip it with babies because what we're doing is modeling this language. We're modeling, labeling a feeling that they might not even know it's happening inside of them yet. And so for the little ones, I really encourage us to just model noticing what we see and talking about their feelings and helping them start to make those associations. Because I know 50-year-olds who can't identify what they're feeling. Got that right. Right. Oh, so yeah. we, we, and I always say feelings are visitors. And if you don't acknowledge them, they're going to come out sideways. And so all these grown ups who are walking around with feelings coming out sideways and this very bad behavior, 
It's because they never learned how to acknowledge what they're feeling and learn to cope with it. So what we want to do for our littlest ones is we just want to start labeling. We just want to start acknowledging. They may not fully understand it yet, Paula, but they are are starting to make those associations. That's what we want to do for little ones. For older ones, they might want to deny that there's a feeling. And that's true for, you know, 10-year-olds to 15-year-olds to 25-year-olds to 65-year-olds. It's uncomfortable to acknowledge a feeling sometimes. So I'd rather not. I'd rather pretend feelings don't exist. And I think it's really important for us to sort of destigmatize feelings because they are really the engine that's motivating all of our behavior. So if we're, we're saying to a child, wow, it's really looking like you're anxious or it's really looking like you're mad and they go, I'm not mad. <laughs> and they clearly are. Or even your spouse says, I'm fine. Even if what, what they're really saying if we go beyond the words, which is the behavior, and we go underneath, what they're saying is talking about feelings as uncomfortable. Okay. And so usually when I'm working with kids and I say, wow, you look so mad. And they say, I'm not mad. I will say, oh, there's a new feeling in the room. And it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to talk about feelings. That's the process is we're acknowledging feelings. But then what do we do about it? Is that, is that your next question? Yes. We're, are we into L? We're into L. Okay. So, so it's totally okay to have a feeling. It's not okay to hit somebody. It's not okay to have road rage. It's not okay to, you know, be rude to your brother or not okay. Even it's not okay to not talk about feelings. So when I say to a child, it's uncomfortable to talk about feelings, then I have to give a limit, which is feelings are important. That's the limit. The next step is to provide a boundary around the feeling. And if you think about it, we all kind of need that to feel safe, right? When I have a big emotion, it could really be sort of dangerous <laughs> to have that big emotion. Especially so mad. What we need, yeah. Especially mad. Yeah. And so it actually makes kids and grownups feel safer to know what's expected. So a limit is a boundary. It's an expectation. Sometimes it's even a goal. Like it's, it's, it's the challenge. It's the bar I'm setting for you is my limit. And it's, it's what are we willing to accept and tolerate? What are we willing to accept and tolerate? I always like to sort of use a silly example to explain this. So, you know, if I wake up every morning with a feeling that I would like to have potato chips for breakfast and the feeling is really strong. And I always think feelings are so that combination of, of thoughts, feelings, and sensations. And I don't wake up with a sensation that I'd like to eat potato chips for breakfast. It's, it's a strong craving. I really feel it. But I don't eat potato chips for breakfast because my limit is that I need to have healthy a healthy start to my day. So limits sort of are the thing that provide us with the guardrails of life. Right. Because if we all just lived by what our cravings and our feelings told us to do, it would be a pretty chaotic world. So a limit is a boundary. It's going to help kids feel safe and kids actually appreciate limits. So you can be mad, but you shouldn't lash out and harm anyone. Totally. It's completely okay to be mad and we keep our bodies safe. So if our listeners are are following along with the post-its and they have their first post-it for feelings where they say, I see you're doing blank. I wonder if you're feeling blank. The second post-it is the limit. And that is something like we say, our rule is that we start our morning healthy or our rule is that we 
treat each other with kindness or respect. Our rule is that we listen to each other. Our rule is that we, and notice what I'm doing. The rule is always positive. It's not don't hit, it's be kind. And so that's sort of the the second post-it if you're trying to make a cheat sheet here. The rule is that we, and then you insert whatever whatever that boundary is that you want to set. All right. Now we're to I. Now we're to I, because how do you live with that? Yeah. I want potato chips. I do. And I need to be healthy. So the inquiry, the I step, is where we ask an open-ended question. Where we ask a question, it can't be a yes-no question. It has to be an open-ended question, because what open-ended questions do is they get us thinking. And that's what we need to do when we're in a pickle. That's what we need to do when we have a lot of mad and we can't hit. We have to ask ourselves the question, what else can I do? What else can I do with my mad? What else can I do with this craving? What else can I do with my frustration? What else can I do with my excitement? Because that's what a lot of kids have during the holiday season. Excitement. What else can I do with it? And so that's the, the, the inquiry engages kids. And the process of thinking about how they might cope differently. And what kind of a response would you get, especially from a younger child? What else can I do with this when I don't even know exactly what it is? Right. So I've been doing this for years and years, working with really troubled kids. And when I ask the question, the first, the open-ended question, like, what can we do with your mad? Or how can we help with your frustration? Or how can we solve this problem? Sometimes I'll get really interesting answers and sometimes I'll get really brilliant answers. I remember saying to one little boy, I was doing a home visit and I said, I noticed you're getting anxious that I'm leaving because he was pretending to punch me. And I said, you know, I know you're, I can tell you're getting anxious that I'm leaving. We keep each other's bodies safe. What can I do to help you with these nervous feelings you're having? What can we do to help you with the the anxiety you're feeling because I'm leaving? And he looked at me and he goes, leave faster. Oh, which was, which was brilliant, actually, because he was noticing that I was taking too long to get out the door. And he had already, you know, accepted that I was leaving and gone through that transition. And I was chatting with his mom too long. And, and so, you know, he didn't say it in the nicest way, but he was little and, and we were working it through. And I said, Oh, okay. So when I say goodbye, I should probably walk out the door instead of talk for 10 more minutes. That makes sense, right? So kids will actually come up with some really interesting solutions. I think that's wonderful to be able to just say to you, leave faster because that's Mm -hmm. what I'm feeling. So why shouldn't I just tell you that? Yeah. And sometimes it'll be something you can work with. I'm going to be honest. When we flip kids, sometimes they're going to give you answers that we can work with like that one. Right. And sometimes you might get a snotty answer. Right. Because it happens, right? And if you get a snotty answer, I remember telling some kids once they were pretending to do play guns. And I was like, I see that you feel really tough and really strong if you're playing with guns and pretending to play with guns. I see you feel really tough and strong in this class. The rule is that we don't do gun play. So what else could you do to feel tough and strong? That's what I asked. That was my inquiry. What else could you do to feel tough and strong? And the kiddo looked at me and he pointed his little play gun at me and he said, I could shoot you. Okay. (laughs) So, you know, this is not a perfect science. So the inquiry doesn't always get us a great answer. And then we have two choices. Our choices are to move on to P, which is prompt, or go back to feelings, which is what I did with that little boy. I went back to feelings. I said, oh, I heard what you just said to me. You are so mad at me. 
because I'm telling you, you can't play something you really want to play. And then I went back to limits and then I did a different inquiry. And then I quickly moved to prompts because kids often haven't been given a lot of practice thinking it through. Right. And I hear a lot of grown-ups today really worried about kids, really worried about kids just not being great problem solvers and always wanting the easy answer and always wanting the quick fix. Well, that's on us grown-ups. If we want kids to not always want the easy button, if we want kids to be thinkers, if we want kids to be problem solvers, then we have to invite them to think. And that's what we're doing in the inquiry step. We're saying, hey, I think you can be a part of finding an alternate solution, right? I think you can be part of thinking this through. And is there at the end of any of these reward? Because again, that seems to be another thing. Well, if you do this, you are going to get this. Right. So that is where sort of, I sort of see flip it as a learning process and a growth process. And the reward is growing. The reward is learning. Because when we get to prompts, you actually get to find something else to do to feel tough and strong. Or I get to find something else to eat for breakfast that's healthy, but also gives me a little salty crunchy. So we're not going to, okay, you've explained that to me. You did really well. Yay. Now we're going to go and get something so that you can no. bring something physically home with you be as a reward. Right. So positive reinforcement is a different strategy and it's, it's good and it serves its purpose. And I definitely tell people if positive reinforcement can stay in positive reinforcement and doesn't become bribing because then what, what kids learn from, from bribing is I'll only do it if I get something. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Right. <laughs> and we don't, we don't want to create that monster. And a lot of us have in our lives. We've created that monster where it's like, what are you going to give me? What are you going to give me? And you know what? Here's the bottom line. You show up to work on time because that's your, that's the right thing to do. That's your responsibility. You're not going to get a prize for showing up to work on time. Right. And so we have to start working and teaching kids this responsibility, this ability to cope, this that the reward is is in doing the right thing. The reward is in learning how to do it better. And so this is not a strategy where we're doing any sort of bribing or negotiating. This is a strategy where we're helping kids to become emotionally aware learn about their feelings, and then learn what they might do differently to become adults, to be healthy adulting folks, you know, that, that don't flip out every time they have a hard feeling, where it's not coming out sideways. And that's what we really want. I can, so then we get to prompt. See, right? prompt, yes. <laughs> so once we do an inquiry, so if I say to a child, what else can we do with all that excitement in your body? Or what else can we do with your mad? Or... How can we solve this problem together? When I ask an open-ended question, I don't expect that kids will always know the answer. So prompts is your, is, is your backup. Prompts is where you can offer a child some creative cues, clues, suggestions for different ways to cope. So if I'm coping with a child and I say, what's another way to feel tough and strong? And then I say, can you lift this heavy thing? Then I'm prompting them. Then I'm giving them other options. When Flippin first evolved, I was working with a little girl and we were working on how she could cope with her mad. Because when she was mad, she would always try to rip my eyeballs out. That was, she literally said, I want to rip your eyeballs out. And she would 
attack me. And so we were trying to figure out what else can she do with her mat? And I offered her a lot of prompts. I would say, you know, do we want to go for a walk? How do you deal with, you know, all of us as grownups deal with our mad, some healthy ways, some not so healthy ways. But what we want for little kids is for them to learn healthy coping early. So in the prompt step, what we're doing is we're saying, do you want to go for a walk? Do you want to take deep breaths? Do you want to... Do you want to back rub? Do you want to write about your feelings? Do you want to scribble on paper? Do you want to break some sticks? Let's find other ways. We're not ever going to make math go away. But what we want to make go away is ripping my eyeballs out. So what we want to do is help kids learn alternate coping strategies. Well, and again, in that too, you're also, it's, it sounds to me like she was looking for something that was physical to be able to mm-hmm. do. So to yep. give her a physical, a different physical alternative. And now there are so many of those, the toys that have the popping sensations and yep. different things There's like that. So many good things. So, mm-hmm. so things like that are something that they can turn to. Yes, absolutely. And what we want eventually is for kids to go, Oh, I need to go get my pop it or, you know, and with this little girl, what she actually found out she really liked was scratching her feet. Like I started by offering to like rub her back or scratch her back. And she said, no, but then I jokingly said, can I scratch your feet? And she said, yes. And it actually worked out beautifully, but I started to like scratch the bottoms of her feet. And it was that physical touch that she needed. And eventually I got her a little foot scratcher, a little back scratcher, you know, those little wooden back scratchers. And she started to be able to scratch the bottoms of her, her own feet. And now we have a little kid who has a coping strategy for mad. She knows what mad is when it overcomes her. And what she would start to do is she'd feel mad and she'd take off her shoes and socks. Her automatic reaction to mad became a healthy strategy. Some of us, I'm not this person, Paula, but I know people who cope with their feelings through exercise. So, you know, my brother is one of those people. So when he has a hard feeling, the way his healthy way of coping is he will go and go for a run or go get a good workout on. And that's a healthy way to cope with hard feelings that he learned at a young age that for him, sports were a great way to cope. For some of us, talking to a friend is a great way to cope. And, and you know, I think when you brought up all those fun little sort of fidget toys and, and tools, I think the better you know the child, the better you're going to be able to prompt them because you're going to know like what's going to be your thing kiddo are you going to be a kid who wants to go for a run are you going to be a kid who wants to you know play with a fidget or you know write a story about it every kiddo is different we all cope with mad as adults in different ways and so it's not when we get to prompt it's certainly not a one-size-fits-all it's, it's a let's figure out what works for you where where do you go from there then, Rachel? I'm sure it would take a while to get from one to the other so that it can all be utilized together. But are there other tips that you would be able to give our listeners as they're going through this process, even if it's just to reinforce what they're trying to do without saying, this is what I'm trying to do? Yes. And so what I will tell you, well, what I'll tell everyone is that the flip it process is sort of a process of, of doing a, some front loading. You're going to do a little more work at the beginning. And then what you're going to find is that you don't have to do anything anymore because kiddos start to get it. And I've been doing this process in classrooms and with parents for over 20 years. 
And when you see a classroom where the teacher uses flip it, what you start to see is that kids start to flip each other. Because if you're consistent and you do F-L-I-P sort of every time, kids start to, to be able to process that sort of problem-solving approach with each other. So I have watched kids flip each other. So what I would say to, to folks is, is that it's a process of being consistent. It's a process of being consistent. And so you're going to start, and, and let me finish. I didn't, I didn't tell everyone the, the post-it notes, so let me tell them the, the other two post-it notes. So you've got your first one, which is the feelings one. I see you doing blank. I wonder if you're feeling blank. You've got your limits. The second one, which is the rule is that we, here's the boundary, kiddo. And then the inquiry, the, what, I, what I suggest you put on the post-it is how can we, because it's a good sentence stem to how can we fix this? How can we help you with your mad? How can we do whatever? And then prompts is a little more complicated. Prompts, because there's so many options. You can give kids some choices. You, you can say, would you like to go for a run or play with a fidget, right? So choices is a way that you can prompt. Sometimes I use personal examples when I prompt. I'll say, you know, when I was your age, I said this to my own son. When I was your age, I was curious about swearing too. <laughs> and you know what I did? And I told him that I would ride my bike really far away and say all the swear words where no one could hear me. And I got them out of my system. And then I wouldn't say them around people. And he thought that sounded like a really good idea. So he rode his bike out to the edge of our property. I saw his hands going. He, I think he said all the swear words. And then he rode his bike back to our house and never said the swear words ever again. He's 16 now, but he was little when he started, he came off the bus and he said, mom, I know swear words. I learned them on the bus. <laughs> and I, and I flipped it with him. I said, when you learn swear words, you're really curious. The limit is we use kind words in this house. How can we make sure you don't say any of those words? And he didn't know. So I gave him a prompt. And I said, when I was little, I was curious too. And I got them all out of my system where no one could hear me. And so that's what he tried. So you see how it can apply to a lot of different situations. So if you're writing your post-it note for prompts, personal examples is a way you can offer prompts. Using the child's sort of strengths and interests. So if they are really interested in something, you can prompt using some of their strengths. Like if they love sports, maybe that's one of the ways you can prompt them. So there's a lot of ways you can prompt um, offering suggestions, those kinds of things. So there's a lot of ways you can prompt. So that poster is a little bit more full, but you've got your core process. And so Paula, I'm sorry, back to your question. I think the key is to be consistent. The second thing is to remember that if it's not working, there's a new feeling usually in the room and to go back to feeling. And if all of us, if all we ever do is the feeling step, we're going to notice a change in kids' behavior because as soon as someone feels and validated, they start to settle. They start to regulate. It happens to us too as grown-ups. And it's important for everyone to know that when we validate somebody, when we acknowledge their feelings, we're not giving in to them. We're just letting them know they're not alone. We're letting them know that they're seen. And you have to name it to tame it. You know, if we want kids to be able to regulate all these, you know, exciting, overwhelming holiday feelings, we have to name it to tame it. And so that's the process. So if we just do feelings, you're on, you're on good, you're on good footing. If you just do feelings. 
The wow. LIP is just the gravy, right? Right. I'm very intrigued because, again, I think with adults, it works as well. And as long as you don't say, well, I heard Rachel talk about this, and now we're going to start you with F. <laughs> yes, your, your partner, your spouse will not appreciate it if you say, I'm going to flip you. Yeah. But they would appreciate it if you said... I see you're getting really sort of short-tempered with the kids. I'm wondering if you're feeling overwhelmed. You know, sometimes I'll say to my spouse, I'll say, I notice you're on your phone a lot. I'm wondering if if you're feeling just overstimulated and, and the phone's just a really a nice escape, right? Instead of saying, get off your phone. Right. I right. say, I notice you're on your phone a lot. I wonder if you're needing an escape great for marriage therapy. It's really a good, it's a good strategy to help us with our adult relationships too, for sure. Well, I'm going to have to have you come back because there is, there is so much more to talk about. I would like to give you one opportunity. What would you like to leave with our listeners, Rachel, now that we're getting into this holiday season? What I would like to leave our listeners, your listeners with is permission to not be perfect for you and for your kids. If you don't flip it every time, that's okay. If if you bribe because it's going to help you survive the night, that's okay. I I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be perfect. You know, I think there's a lot of great stuff out there that we could be doing, and we all would love to be doing perfect parenting and perfect everything through the holiday season. But let's cut ourselves some slack because that'll help us stay calmer. Let's cut ourselves some slack and. I would actually recommend if you're feeling like you're at your wit's end, go lock yourself in the bathroom and flip yourself because you can use it on yourself too. You can go, what am I feeling? What are my boundaries? What can I do differently? So you can flip yourself. And I, I have four kids. I often do lock myself in the bathroom and flip myself. So the last thing I want people to, to hear is to be gentle to yourself. Is there some place that our listeners can go in order to get more information about this? Absolutely. So we at the Deborah Center for Resilient Children uh, provide lots of resources around social and emotional health and resilience in kids. There's information about Flip It on our website, which is www.centerforresilientchildren.org. Thanks again to Rachel Wagner, Early Childhood Mental Health Specialist and National Trainer at the Devereaux Center for Resilient Children. Coming up next on Special Edition, Older Driver Safety Awareness Week highlighted unique challenges faced by older drivers. We'll have the information next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Last week was Older Driver Safety Awareness Week, which highlighted unique challenges faced by older drivers. Now on Special Edition, Rebecca Ryback, Highway Safety Education Coordinator with the Northeast Highway Safety Program, tells us about those and other safe driving tips. Rebecca, start us off with something. I know we kind of just missed it, but Older Driver Safety Awareness Week is probably year-round, right? Right. We want to keep our older drivers driving safe and longer as much as possible. So we did celebrate Older Driver Safety Awareness Week, the week of December 5th. But you're right. It is all year round. These um, men and women, they have had their license for many, many years. And especially if they live locally, a lot of the roadways may be the same for when they had their uh, license many years ago. But the traffic on the road is different. Drivers are different. So we always want to give them some safety tips to keep them on the road longer and safer. What are some of those things that you might talk about? Right. So we like to go over um, some things like you want to make sure that you keep up to date with your regular medical exams. That's an eye exam, your you know medical doctor, any kind of doctors that you see, you want to make sure that you keep up with that. Obviously, that's very important, especially if you wear glasses and you make sure you have your regular eye exams um, that can help you while you are driving. Uh, We also like to tell them to reduce driving at night, reduce driving in difficult weather, um, winter weather driving, which we're going to talk about in the rain. Driving can be difficult even on a sunny day. So if you're if you're aging, you want to make sure that you reduce your risk of getting in a crash. So if it if there's bad weather, winter weather, uh, you have an appointment, you know, you have to go somewhere, maybe cancel the appointment. See if you could get someone to drive for you if you have a relative or a friend or something like that. You also want to make sure that your you know your mirrors are adjusted properly. Uh, you want to know your medications. Can you drive taking the medications you're taking? You want to make sure that you could even keep a list of medications on you at all times. If there is a problem and maybe you're in a crash, you have a medical episode while you're driving, having a list of medications on you is always very important. Plan ahead your route. Do you know where your doctor's office is? Do you know where you're going today? If you have to go somewhere special, do you know where, where the directions are to get there. So you want to make sure you plan ahead, especially with this with the weather changing. You want to make sure that, you know, what time is rain coming, snow is coming, and when that appointment is. And along with what we were saying before is avoid difficult driving, and that also could mean rush hour, obviously driving at night, and try to avoid distractions. Of course, this is a good go for anybody, not just our older driver. You want to make sure you're not using your cell phone while driving. You have to watch any kind of distractions. 
talking on the phone, obviously texting is against the law in Pennsylvania. A lot of these newer cars, they're great as far as having a lot of technology, but a lot of that technology could be distracting. So you just want to make sure that you reduce your distractions in the car while you are driving. Most of that, Rebecca, I could say probably goes for most of us because there's a lot of different things in there that we could all start to pay attention to. And one of the other things, too, is, and sometimes this is very difficult because, as you said, you're not taking the keys away from anybody, but sometimes family members, friends have to broach that subject because sometimes that can be a safety issue as well. Yes, and what what I have found doing this many years is a lot of drivers, they do know their limitations, which is great. When we go to the Active Learning Adult Centers or we go to events and we talk to drivers, they know in their heart when they should stop driving. However, you know, if you're in a situation where you feel that an older driver in your life may be at risk, especially to themselves but other people on the road, This is something, you know, you have to talk to their doctor about and their doctor is the one who will do the proper exams and see if they should not be driving or not. And along with saying that, the most important thing you could obviously do is wear your seatbelt. Wearing your seatbelt will, you know, lessen the injuries if there is a crash. So you definitely want to make sure that you are wearing your seatbelt each ride every time. Now, a lot of different conversations can be started in that. And one of the things you mentioned was driving in winter weather. And oh, we've had a little taste here and there, but right. nothing. Well, we're not even going to say that. So what do we do? Because, again, we hear it. You've told us. Other folks have told us. Police officers tell us. But sometimes we just need to hear it a thousand more times. Right. So just a reminder for everybody, if you do not have an emergency travel kit, it's a great idea to start one in any kind of weather. So if you just get a little Tupperware box, a box from your house, all you want to do is fill it with some things you'll need just in case you get stranded, especially in winter weather. You want, you know, some warm clothing and gloves, a blanket, ice scraper, um, of course, you want a cell phone uh, charger for your cell phone, flashlight, um, a small shovel, first aid kit, water, non-perishable food. If you have your medications, make sure you have your medicine for like a day or two, just in case you do get stranded. So um, it's very important to have an emergency uh, travel kit. Also, um, again, if you are going to have to drive and you do think that there's winter weather, especially in places like Northeast Pennsylvania, where you might be in one area and it could be raining and you go up the mountain a little bit and all of a sudden it's changed to ice and snow. So you really have to be prepared for those changing conditions. So obviously, like I said before, you want to wear your seatbelt. That will reduce any kind of injury if you do get in a crash. If you see that there is changing uh, weather conditions, you want to reduce your speed. Obviously, that's very important. Make sure that your car is in working condition, your lights work, emergency flashers. You have good wiper blades, snow tires if you need those. Always make sure you have gas in your car. Make sure your tires are inflated properly. And you want to definitely use caution when you're crossing over bridges or ramps. You want to be aware of black ice. Sometimes you feel like it's water or it's a puddle, but it ends up being frozen. And then, you know, that's a whole different other story. So those are just some tips on 
you know, for everybody really with winter weather driving. And obviously, if you can get yourself an emergency kit, put one together, it only takes a couple seconds. You probably have most of this stuff in your house anyway. That's true. And probably even some of that stuff in your car that you forgot you threw in the back seat at some point in time. (laughs) Now, what else do you have for us, Rebecca? Coming up, we have obviously the holidays and we know that people are celebrating now. Um, You might be going to work parties, office parties, family parties. So we just want to remind everybody um, when you're traveling that First off, if you're traveling, make sure that you are wearing a seatbelt and that the uh, everybody in your car is buckled up, especially children, that they are in the proper car seats or booster seats. And if you are going to a party, um, we want to practice safe partying. So if there's going to be alcohol there, you want to make sure that you designate a sober driver or you want to stay over um, at the person's house. Obviously, there's a lot of options now with Uber and Lyft and other, you know, agencies that can pick you up and and take you to places. So we want to make sure that this is a safe holiday. Um, Everybody has the right to have a safe drive on the road. So you really want to just make sure that, you know, when you're traveling from point A to point B this holiday season, that you are the safest you can be. Always good words to the wise. And I'll give you the last word, Rebecca. Anything else that you have that while we have you here, you'd like to pass on? Now, just be courteous on the roads. You know, it's a busy holiday. People are rushing. Um, You know, stress level might be high, trying to get last minute shopping in, going to stores. So we just want everybody to take their time, be courteous, plan your day, and, you know, have a great holiday. That's Rebecca Ryback, Highway Safety Education Coordinator with the Northeast Highway Safety Program, who always joins us with great information and things that you should be paying attention to to stay safe on the roads. Up next, how not to get scammed on Special Edition. It's the holidays and the scammers are out there. One of our favorite ladies on Special Edition, Kathy Stokes, AARP's Director of Fraud Prevention Programs, is here. And she has the tips on how to spot and avoid getting scammed. Kathy, you are a wealth of information. And let's get right to it. It's holiday time. People are out buying, shopping. What's one of the things we should start looking for to be careful? Well, there's a whole lot because scammers have really upped their game. A lot of it happens online. It also happens in brick and mortar stores. But uh, the one thing that I'm just, I continue to be shocked about is the, 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 the fraud that's happening with gift cards. When you buy a gift card and give it to a friend or a relative, you expect that gift card to have money on it. But we learned that 26% of, of us have experienced giving or receiving a gift card that ended up not having any balance on it. Now, of course, some of that could be, you know, an error at the at the cash register. But we also know that scammers go into stores, they manipulate the cards, they wait for them to get um, uh, purchased, and then they, they drain the funds. Now they're using bots that go online trolling for gift cards with value on them and, and stealing them that way. I'm that just fascinated me when you told me about this before and how high tech they are. So what can we do? 
Well, you know, I, I, sh- I don't want to say don't buy gift cards. I mean, because everybody loves them. But there are some things you can do if you're going to buy them off the rack. You know, try to pull the one at the uh, back of the rack because um, maybe they didn't get to that one if they were in that store. Yeah, chances are they probably weren't. But when you see the numbers. And then if you're going to, um, you, you could buy one online right from the retailer. That seems to be uh, a pretty safe bet. But once you get that card, if you're if you're a recipient, Go online, check the balance, take a picture of that balance in case um, it goes away before you purchase it, then maybe you have a case to make for getting that money back. And if you can, register it and use it sooner than later. We tend not to use these for a long time, sometimes never. And it's just a lot of money wasted. Wow. That just totally blows me away whenever you talk about that. So along the same lines then, a lot of people are now using apps in order to transfer money from one person to another. How do we stay safe if they're doing that with gift cards? Well, the peer-to-peer payment apps are typically connected to your bank account. So the risk there is if you are dealing uh, with somebody who you're going to uh, buy something off of them and then never send it to you, um, you know, that money's gone and you're not protected the way a credit card would be protected. Same goes if you're, um, if you send money and you intend to put in, you know, 5370 and you hit 5379 and that money goes, you're dependent on the goodwill of the person who received it in there to give that money back to you. And we know a lot of people are using peer-to-peer payment apps and 53% of users say they'll use it during the holiday season. You just have to know the fraud risk and that they don't have the credit card protections um, that can protect you in the, in the event of fraud or, um, you know, anything going wrong with that purchase. All right. So all of that online and immediately people say, well, I just won't do anything online. I'll go to brick and mortar stores. So what can happen there? Well, I mean, the, the issue we talked about with gift cards it can happen there. Um, and and it's, it, I know it sounds really scary to be online, but there are things that we can do to protect ourselves when they're out there. And, and one of them is, you know, don't click that ad that you see on social media or on your web browser that says that, you know, 70% off the hot ticket item because it could be real but it also could be taking you to a page that looks like a real retail website and it's asking you to log in and you've just given the scammer your credentials or worse, you get malicious software dropped down onto your device and they're going to be logging your keystrokes to try to steal your usernames and passwords for all of your accounts. So don't click on links, go right to the website by typing in the the company name into your web browser. Um, avoid clicking on links in emails and texts for the same reason. And very importantly, keep your devices updated as well as your antivirus software. Make sure it's running, make sure that you're not missing any updates because quite often those updates are to patch a known vulnerability. You mentioned the uh, emails and that's another thing that I've been noticing in in the emails that I've been receiving, because if I went through and clicked on all of the ones, I would have a house full of free stuff that I had won or had been given. So that's another thing. People are getting so clever with the way that they send these things. Is there any way to tell whether it's real or not? 
Well, there are some things you can do. If you're in your email on your computer, it doesn't really work if you're on your phone, but you can hover over the uh, email address of the sender and you can see if there are extraneous letters in there or it looks like it's coming from somebody other than what is uh, what is being said there that it's sending from. Um, anything that suggests urgency is uh, probably going to be a scam. You know, you get that email from Amazon and says, hey, we weren't able to, um, uh, we missed something on your account, the payment's off or something, so we're going to cancel everything that you have. And at this time of year, you're probably having a lot of purchases and you're going to freak out and they're going to say, don't worry, just click on this link and we'll fix it, you know, we can fix it together. Well, that's that's a complete scam. It'll take you to an Amazon-like page and, and that's where all the horror begins. So, um, you know, even though it looks like it's coming from the company you know and trust, just don't click the link. Go to Amazon.com. Go to Walmart.com yourself. Type in those letters um, and avoid the the, uh, the scammers that try to get in between you and the, and the legitimate retailer. And I hate to even think that this is possible, but... In this day, I guess we have to look at this as well. People like to give to charity. They like to make donations during the holidays. Where are the where are the watch things there? That's just awful. Yeah, we so our survey looks back at last year and, and consumers told us that last year 29% of us received a request for a donation to a charity that seemed fake fraudulent and that's not insignificant and it's this time of year when the scammers are knowing that we're going to open up our hearts and our wallets so they set up uh they'll either set up a charity that is only giving them money um so it looks legitimate or they entirely make it up and either way the money is not going where you want it to go so um really refrain from the immediacy of wanting to act now take a step back do a little bit of research. If you're online, there are three or four really good websites where you can look to see if it's legit, how much of the money is actually going to the uh, charitable cause, charitynavigator.org, charitywatch.org. And the Better Business Bureau has, uh, a, it's called a Wise Giving Alliance at give.org. Um, and you can also say, you know what, I've made my decisions uh, for, for who I'm supporting. Um, thank you. Goodbye. Probably a very good thing. Goodbye and no, very important words. So when people are looking for more information, because you always have, as I said, a wealth of information when it comes to all these different things and you keep up on top of them, which is amazing. Where can people go? Uh, We have a really great uh, educational uh, spot on the web at aarp.org slash Fraud Watch Network. When you're there, sign up for our watchdog alerts. You can get emails or texts every other week. We only send something every other week, but it's what's going on, what's the latest scam. So you can just sort of be uh, present, recognizing that it's there all the time. And we have to just understand that. And if you've been victimized or you're not sure of something, call the Fraud Watch helpline. You don't have to be a member of AARP and it's free to everybody. And that's 877-908-3360. Kathy, anything else that maybe we've left out before I have to let you go? 
you know, these uh, scams aren't being done by some guy in his mom's basement making phone calls or lurking on the web. This is the the space of uh, criminal uh, activity, transnational criminal enterprises. Understand what we're up against. This is a very serious scourge, and we need to be taking this more serious as a country because people are losing so much. Thanks for listening to Special Edition a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 